I want you to grab your Bibles with me, if you will, open them to the book of the James, loving this series, and I hope that you are as well, how to have a faith that works, how to live out our faith in a dark world. And I want to encourage you, if you have not, if you're not caught up with this series, listen, we're in the middle of a rainstorm. If you're like me and you have satellite TV, there won't be any satellite TV for a while. So this is a great time. If you have internet or Wi-Fi or whatever you might have, Download the podcast, go back and watch them, and get caught up. Great series that James is, is teaching us how to live out our faith in a world that's trying to pull us away from God. I want you to open with me to James chapter 1. We're going to begin in verse 18 this morning. And I'm going to read you a, a couple of verses, and then we'll just kind of walk through them and, and uh, see what James is trying to teach us. Uh, if you're in James chapter 1, verse 18, would you say amen? Amen. amen. I hope you said amen out there. Okay. He chose to give birth to us by giving us, note here, his true word. It was his true word that gave birth to us. And we, out of all of creation, became his prized possession. Now we note here that James is changing the subject a little bit. He is, he is having a segue. He's been talking about troubles and he's been talking about temptations. But now he's going to switch and he's going to change the subject. The subject is now going to be the Word of God. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. For human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. I love this. And humbly accept the word of God, the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Incredible words there. But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey it, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and you forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into that perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So if we can hear it, see it, apply it to our lives and do something with it, God is going to bless us. It's a wonderful thing. But if you claim to be religious, now this is a, this is a bad word in the church world today, religious. We'll talk about it more in a moment. But if you claim to be religious and you don't control your tongue, you're fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphan, orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the Word of God corrupt you. Can you say amen to the reading of the Word this morning? Incredible words that, that James starts us out with. He's, he's going to give us some of the big picture here now and, and really start to uh, speak speak into our hearts and lives. And, and what he's going to talk to us about is this, the secret to true effectiveness for children of God. Like how to be truly effective as a child of God, as a Christian. And it starts with this principle. We must be transformed by the Word of God. It, it's the Word of God. And, it, and, it, and we've had worship this morning, and I want to thank you guys. I, I really felt the presence of God from the Word go. 
But it isn't the worship that transforms us. It's the Word of God that transforms us. And that's, and that's what James is going to tell us here. We should worship. We should, we should pray. We should serve. All of these things. But it's, it's the Word of God when it is preached and when it is read and when it is applied to our life that changes things. I'm reminded of the late uh, Pastor John Osteen, who, uh, Pastor Joel Osteen from Lakewood Church. It was his father who started Lakewood Church. And he said this, he was known to say, I don't do counseling. Don't come to me for counseling. He said, you come to church every Sunday. You hear the word of God and you apply the word of God to your life and it will transform every aspect of your life. Now, I, you know, I've gone to counseling. I believe in counseling, but even more than I believe in counseling, I believe in the power, the transforming power of the word of God. I love how James said it when you read it in the Message Bible in verse 25. He said, whoever catches a glimpse of the revealed counsel of God, the free life. Doesn't that sound good? The free life. If we can catch a glimpse of what it means to take the counsel of the Word of God, we can understand this free life. Even out of the corner of his eye, and if you stick with it, that person, I love this verbiage right here, is no distracted scatterbrain, but a man or woman of action. Now, I don't, I don't know, but I don't think I want to be a distracted scatterbrain. Yeah, that's, that's James who's writing to us. Don't be a distracted scatterbrain, but read the Word of God and apply it to your life and do something with it. So how are then are we transformed? How, how does this work? The Word of God will transform your life when you do two things with it. First of all, when you receive it, yeah. and secondly, when you respond to it. To receive. Let's, let's start out with that. You read in verse 21, get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word, your God has, the word God has planted in your hearts. In the English standard, it says the word, receive with meekness the implanted word. There's that word, receive. We have to understand in, 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 the, in, in the gospel, in the, the heart of the gospel is this. To receive, it means um, it's the door through which God's grace enters. We are not saved by working. We are saved by receiving. We are not saved by what we give to God. We are saved by what God gives to us. We are saved by what we received from God. By faith, we receive the grace of God. We receive his righteousness and he takes on our sin and our unrighteousness, but we can't earn it. We can't do anything to get it right. Uh, and so it is, it is by receiving that, that we receive this grace and we receive salvation. We receive the power of God in our lives. We have to receive it. We receive the word of God. It's about receiving from him. The question then is, how are you receiving? Are you receiving humbly or the opposite of humbly? You know, uh, if you've ever been forced to take medicine or forced your kid to take medicine, you know it will help them, but they don't want it. And they're fighting you tooth and nail. Is that how we come to God? Fighting tooth and nail. I don't want this. I don't want to receive it. But he's, he, here's the problem. God's not going to force his salvation down our throats. We as parents have to do that at times. No, you have to take the medicine. And God's saying, I have the greatest medicine that can help you in every area of your life. It will transform you. It will free you. You can live that free life, but he will not force us to take the medicine. We have to willingly and humbly receive it. 
So how do we do that? We have to be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Quick to listen, be open, be teachable. When we're reading the Word of God, if we're not humble, we're going to push back against it. We're going to act like we know what is right, that this Word doesn't really apply to us in 2017 anymore. We know better than the Word of God. And we're going to push back against it. But I want to encourage you, when you hear the Word of God, when the Word of God is being preached, when the Word of God is being read, when you're studying in your own time, be open and be teachable. Then he says, be slow to speak. You know, our mouths will get in the way. Our mouths start to justify. Our mouths try to act like we know it all. Our, Our mouths try to excuse things. Our mouths try to give our opinion And God's just sitting back like, what do you think you know that I don't know? If you could just listen to the Word of God, it would unlock truths. It would unlock revelation. It has the power to change your life. But if you want to start speaking, it's really hard to speak and listen at the same time. I I read a a commentary, a commentator, uh, his name is Trapp, and he said it like this, nature teaches us the truth. God, and, and when He created us, He taught us the truth. We have two ears and one mouth. And that mouth is guarded by lips and teeth and a tongue. And we should really talk a whole lot less and listen a whole lot more. So we've got to be quick to listen and slow to speak. And then thirdly, we've got to be slow to get angry. You know, when you really start reading the Word of God, if your heart isn't right and not open to receive, you're not receiving it humbly, the Word of God can make you angry. Because when you really start taking, and we'll talk about this more in a moment, but when you really start taking a look at your own life, you can get offended, you can get upset. Even Jesus said, are you offended because of me? Will you leave me also? Because the Word of God has an offensive nature to it. It isn't always beautiful and easy to receive if our hearts aren't right. And so he's he's saying, be slow to anger when you're studying the Word of God. Because when anger takes over, it will shut down what God is trying to do. You won't receive it. And that man's anger, I, I love what he said here. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So when we get angry because we don't like what we're feeling, we don't like what the Holy Spirit is saying to us, we don't like what we're seeing in ourselves or in other people, then the righteousness of God cannot be produced in us. So this is how we receive humbly. The second question is this, are you prepared to receive? He relates it to a garden planting he's, he's planting the word of god and so if you were going to go out in your backyard and you were going to plant a garden you're going to try to grow some tomatoes and some fruit and some cucumbers and whatever else you might want to grow you wouldn't just go out in the backyard and throw seeds on the ground and then walk away and come back a few months later and expect there to be a real garden to pick from that's not what we would do the first thing you do is you go cut out all the grass then you would begin to till the ground If there were weeds, you would pull out the weeds and you would get the ground ready to receive. So James says this, you need to get your ground ready to receive. What do you need to do? Get rid of all the filth and the evil in your lives. Push it away. If you're not receiving the word of God and, and he's not really making an impact on your life, maybe you need to go say, Lord, maybe I shouldn't watch that television show. 
Maybe I shouldn't listen to that music. Maybe I should uh, get into the presence of God. Maybe I should go listen to a podcast and, and get the Word of God in me. Maybe I should listen to some worship and let it prepare my heart to receive. That's one of the reasons that we worship first when we come to service is worship is preparing the hearts of people, asking God to come in the room, and our hearts are being prepared. So when the Word of God is spoken, now we're ready to receive we got to get rid of the filth and the evil. Are you ready to receive? So now that we've received, are you willing to respond? Now, here's where it really gets serious. James 1.22, but don't just listen. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. There are people who mark up their Bible, but their Bible never marks their lives. There's highlighters, there's notes in the margin, the leather is falling apart because you have read and studied so much. But when you look at their lives, the Bible, the Word of God, has never marked their lives. Nothing has ever changed. It's still the same. It's still the same stuff. They're still that same person. It isn't just about studying the Word of God. Make no mistake about it. We should be studiers of the Word of God. We should be students of the Word of God. But at the same time, we can be that, that person who knows Scripture and can quote Scripture, but it isn't changing our life because we are never doing anything with it. What are you doing with it? In Jesus' day, there were multiple teachers and rabbis going around, and they would teach um, their interpretation of Scripture or uh, their rules, their laws to live by. It was called the yoke of the rabbi. And so when you would go around and you would listen to these teachers, lots of people would listen, but a few of them would take what they learned and they would go do something with it. They would go live according to the laws. They would go live according to those words. Uh, They would go live according to that interpretation of Scripture. These people were called disciples. So let's say, Pastor Chris, you're you're preaching and you're teaching and and you're a rabbi and, and you're going around. And so Uh, Pastor Yolanda and myself, we come and we listen to you teach. She likes what you have to say. Something in her is open and unlocked. She goes out and begins to do something with exactly what you're teaching. She is a disciple. But I come and I listen and I can repeat everything you said. I might even believe what you said, but I never go out and do anything with it. I don't go live it out. I am not a true disciple. Jesus He's leaving the earth in the Great Commission. He says, go into all the world and make disciples. Not go out into the world and make sure everybody can quote John 3.16. And and everybody just, you know, knows what it means to go to church on a Sunday. But no, he's saying be true disciples. Understand that in his culture, what he's saying is something that everyone understands. He is saying... Raise people up that not only know the Word of God, not only have given their lives to God and and are now serving God, but they're going out and doing something with the Word that has been planted in them. Does that make sense to you? And so when he says, be his disciples, that's why he says, if you love me, if you are my disciples, then obey my commandments. Do what I'm telling you to do, because if you don't do what I'm telling you to do, you're not a disciple. And that's what he's trying to raise up as disciple. That's what James is talking about here. 
Go and make disciples. Listen, but then respond. Go do something. Hearing without doing leads to deception. You will deceive yourself. You, you can think that quoting Scripture makes you a disciple, but it doesn't. You, you can think that spending time in the presence of God makes you a disciple, but that's not what makes you a disciple. What makes you a disciple is going and doing something with it. You see, there are doers, and then there are in the house of God. There are doers, and then there are, there are those that are sitters and soakers, if you will. Doers, doers may not be perfect, they may not have it all right. They may not be able to quote Scripture from front to back. But they're out doing something with the Word of God. It's transforming their lives. And then it's flowing through them. And they are, the way they interact with the world, what they do during the week, is impacted because they are doers of the Word of God. On the other hand, there are sitters and soakers. We sit, we listen, we soak up the Word of God, we soak up the presence of God, but we stop short of actually doing something with it. It never goes out into the world. It never makes an impact on their lives. It never changes the atmosphere. They just sit and they soak. And here's the problem. When you, when, if you are a sitter and a soaker long enough, you will eventually sour on the vine. God spoke to Isaiah, interesting passage of Scripture in Isaiah chapter 5, and he's talking about this subject, and he's talking as a, um, as a, a gardener or the keeper of a vineyard, and he's saying, listen, I took the best and the most fertile ground I could find. I got the best seeds and the, the best vines that I could, the, the best seeds that I could find, and I planted them. I cultivated the ground. I built a wall to protect it from the elements. Uh, I came and I watched over it. I, I watered it. I did everything I could do. This vine had every opportunity to produce good fruit. And yet, I look up and the vine is producing sour grapes or, or, or wild grapes, grapes that aren't good for anything. They're, they're not producing good fruit. Nothing is being done. You can't sell it. I've got a wine press here. He said, I even went out and built a wine press so that we could make wine and we could sell it and, and we could move, our, move uh, the, 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 the garden forward and, and expand the kingdom. But no, can't do anything with sour grapes. You can't do anything with grapes that have soured on the vine. And he said, they fall and they're, they're just worthless. And here's what, here's what God said. Who is to blame, the gardener or the vine? Well, normally we blame the gardener when things don't go right. But God is saying, I have done everything I could do. You've had every opportunity. You've sat, you've heard the word, you've been in the presence of God, you've worshiped, you've soaked, it's, you've had every opportunity, but you never did anything with it, and now you're not producing. So what should I do? This is what God is saying. We see the same principle as Jesus talked through his parables about not producing anything, not, not doing anything with his word when it comes into our lives. Sour Christians, you know what they look like? It isn't about church attendance and it isn't about whether or not they uh, are, are sitting in the pews every Sunday. It isn't about how much scripture they know. You know what they are? They're judgmental or they can be very arrogant about their walk with God versus someone else's. Uh, they can be unloving and unkind and, and they can lack compassion. They can be very inwardly focused. They don't give grace and mercy, but you know what they do is they demand justice. 
that can be very much uh, know-it-all. What are they doing? They're not, they've heard the word. Maybe they've even received the word. They didn't do anything with the word. And they're souring on the vine. I want to challenge every person watching online. Been a challenge to me. God, I don't want to be that Christian that sours on the vine. I don't want to be a, sick, a sitter and a soaker, but I want to be a doer of the word of God. I want to take what you've put in me and I want to take it out to the world. You're not spiritual because you're here. You are spiritual because you hear and you do. James gives us another, another illustration, verse 23 to 25. He, he relates the word of God to looking into a mirror. You look into a mirror, you see your face. And you look up and maybe you just ate a meal and you go to the restroom and you've, and you've got food in your teeth or uh, Pastor Chris, maybe we've got food in our beard somewhere, right? And, and, it's, and it's hung up. But here's what he's saying. Hearers only of the word. We look into the mirror. We look into the word of God as a mirror. And we recognize that our makeup is smeared or we've got food in our teeth or something's off. But we don't do anything about it. We just turn and walk away and we forget completely that our mascara is running and the, and the lipstick is smeared and, and we, we're a hot mess. But we forget about it. We walk away as if everything is perfect. The Word of God, though, it doesn't just look at the outside. It doesn't just look at our face. Here's what is so incredible about God's Word, about what the Holy Spirit does through His Word, is He doesn't just look at the outside, but He looks at the heart. You know, a lot of people don't want to hear the Word of God. They don't want to go to church. They don't want to listen to what God is saying, what the preacher is saying. It's not because they don't know it's true. It's because they don't want themselves to be exposed by the Word of God. They're afraid of what they're going to find. Don't be afraid of what you're going to find. Because here's the goodness of God. The goodness of God is... I'm not just going to examine you because th this mirror, it, it's for examination, but it's also for restoration. It's also for restoration. You might remember the story of David and Nathan where uh, David had sinned against God and against the people of God. He had sinned against his family. And he's going along like nothing's happening. And Nathan the prophet comes in and he tells him this great parable, this great story. And at the end of the story, David gets all fired up and he's like, that man was wrong. And suddenly Nathan said, the prophet says, you are that man in the story and you have sinned and you have wronged. And David has this, all of a sudden, this great realization as his heart has been exposed and examined. He breaks down. I have sinned before God. And, he, and, and as he sees what's going on in his own heart. But Nathan didn't leave him there. And I, this is a beautiful picture of what God does through his word. Nathan doesn't leave him there. Nathan says, God has removed your sin from you. God has taken it away. Why? God was trying to restore him. God could have... God could have killed and ended David's life right there, but he didn't. He restored them, and David goes on to lead the people of God, restores his life, and, 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 and has a wonderful life. But God could have left him there, but that's not what the Word of God does. It won't leave you in your mess. It will restore you. So don't be afraid of what you're going to see. Know that God wants to restore you, and then he wants to transform you. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, that we are beholding as in a mirror, right? And as we do, we are being transformed from glory to glory. So you come in, and we, we look in the mirror of the Word of God, and we see something in us, and God changes it, and He works on us. But He doesn't 
take us down. He moves us from glory to glory, from one great place to another great place to another great place. That's why we got to keep hearing because he doesn't want to get stuck. He don't want you to get stuck in an old glory. He has new glory for you. So we keep listening. We keep reading. We keep studying and let the God, word of God move us. It's the same word transformed there that we see when Jesus went up to the Mount of Transfiguration, when suddenly his, he was changed and the Bible says that a light shone from him. That same word, transfigure, is also transformed. Here's what, here's, here's what it means. Here's what he's saying to us. When we, are, when we come in the presence of God and the Word of God gets in us, and we look in this mirror, we are being transformed from glory to glory. Suddenly, this Word of God, this light, it doesn't just shine on us, but it shines out from us. It shines through us. And that's how God wants to in, impact the world through you. Let His light shine through you. But only if we re- receive the Word and respond to the Word. Here's something else I love. Um, he said right here, uh, if you look per- carefully into that perfect law, it sets you free. The Word of God will set us free. Here's what Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 31 and 32. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in Him, If you continue in My Word, meaning if you do what I'm telling you to do, you are truly My disciples. Remember, we talked about that. You do what I'm telling you to do, you're My disciples. And watch this. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's not just reading the word or hearing the word but it is following through with it and as we follow through the word of god doesn't always make sense to us it doesn't always set us free just when we hear it but when we start living it out even when we don't understand it then the understanding comes we may not have understood the truth but when we by faith said i'm going to live out the word of god and i'm going to do something with it then the word of god as we do it as we follow it it begins to set us free in our lives Amplified Bible, same, same verse. If you abide in my word, meaning continually obeying my teachings and living in accordance with them, while you're doing that, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free from the penalty of sin. You see, here's the deal. We may not all come in and in one day all the sin is gone in our lives. But if we can receive the word and we can respond to it and we can do something with it as we are doing it, God's going to remove the sin from your life. He's going to break the sin off of your life. You just keep receiving and you just keep responding. You just keep receiving and responding and he's going to take the sin off of your life. And he's going to set you free. You can know the truth and the truth can set you free. But it's the truth that we put into action, not just the truth that we read. Understand, when Jesus said those words in John chapter 8, this is something really uh, interesting. He is talking to Jews who had chosen to believe in him. So he's making this clear distinction right here. It isn't just about believing in me. You know, this country is full full of people who believe in Jesus, believe that he was the Son of God. But Jesus says it isn't just about believing. If you want the power of God to transform your life, if you want the Word of God to transform your life, you have to do something with it. You have to follow it out. Are are you guys tracking with me? I I know I can't see you at home. Uh, But it's about doing something with it. You say, well, Pastor Randon, didn't, didn't Jesus come to uh, do away with the law? Yes. 
But what he then did with the law that he had just done away with is he wrote it on our hearts. When we read and we respond, what he's trying to do is write it on your heart so that we're not doing it because someone's forcing us to. We're doing it because something in us is being transformed and now we want to do it. We want to uh, move from glory to glory. I love the Word of God, and I love what it can do in us, but we have to be doers. He said you, you claim to be religious. Religious here, what it means is it's the outward practice or the outward service to a God. So there are many different religions, but he's talking specifically about Christianity. You are claiming that you have a religion. Remember, religion is what we see on the outside. Well, religion is a bad word, right? You, you know, you may have heard the phrase, we're not after religion, we're after relationship. I couldn't agree more. The problem is this. Um, religion isn't a bad word necessarily. Religion is the fruit of our relationship. So if we're seeking religion and we miss the re relationship, that's a problem. That's what the Pharisees did. That's what the scribes did. They had the religion. They had the outward appearance, but there was no inward relationship. But now what, we, what Jesus changed the deal, now it's like, okay, I want this relationship with Jesus. I want this relationship with God and with the Word of God. But out of that relationship, what's going on on the inside it reflects on the outside. The light of God shined through Jesus. He was transformed and he shined out from him. We are moved from glory to glory, so now it's working out of us. So the relationship in us, real relationship in us, is translated that our religion works out through us and it shows what's really going on. If you have a dead religion, it means you have a dead relationship with God. But if you have a true relationship with Jesus, this is what James is saying, if you have a true relationship with Jesus, your religion won't be worthless. It won't be wasted. It won't be dead and empty. But it will be alive. And it will be genuine. You know, what, what I love about so many of you that are even watching right now is the life you live, the way you follow Jesus, it's not just about following a set of rules. But it comes out from you. You don't abstain from things because you're just afraid to go to hell you abstain with from them because you don't want to do them why because God has changed your heart on the matter it's about relationship but our religion reflects our relationship and James is saying if if the outward appearance is ugly and mean and hateful and spiteful then you probably don't have that real relationship with Jesus so how do you know how do you know? How do you know? Let's get real practical because that's what James does. Three things we got to look at. Number one, what are you saying? What are you saying? He says um, in verse 26, if you claim to be religious, so you, say, you, you act like all, everything is right on the inside and on the outside, but you don't control your tongue. Now he's going to devote an entire chapter later. So we're going to have a whole sermon on the tongue later. We won't go deep into this. But if what's coming out of your mouth does not reflect the relationship with Jesus that you have in your heart, then your religion, your, your Christianity, it's putting a bad name on Christianity. It's putting a bad name on Jesus. It's worthless. We've got to control our tongues. What are you saying? What are you saying to people what are you, with your own words? What are you saying on social media? 
What are you saying in text? If I came and looked at your text messages right now, what would they look like? I'm not trying to be mean to you, but we're, we're looking into the mirror of God right now. Let him reveal to us. What are you saying? Number two, what are you doing? What are you doing? He goes on to say, a pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows. In the Message Bible, he says, he talks about how we deal with the loveless and the homeless. It's about how we interact with people. You see, if you are only kind and nice and generous to people who can help you, that's not the heart of God. But it isn't just about orphans and widows. It's a reflection of how do we treat the people who can't help us? What do I do towards the people who can't give back to me? What do I do? This is the essence of the gospel right here. Jesus is saying, if I'm in your heart, it will be reflected in how you treat all people. Because Jesus came to you, and Jesus came to me, and he gave us the greatest gift he could ever give us, the gift of eternal life, the gift of salvation. And then he gave us the gift of the Holy Spirit, a helper, the comforter, our guide. And he did all this, and we can't do anything back remotely to compensate him for what he's given to us. And so he says, when you realize through the word of God, what I've done for you, it makes you want to go out and treat everyone the same. We realize we're not better than other people just because we have more money or we're a different race or we're a different class or we're a different gender. We're not better. No, no, no. We treat everyone the same. We treat everyone with compassion and love and generosity because that's what God did for us. That's what he did for us. So what are you doing? How do you interact with the world? And then number three, what are you becoming? What are you becoming? Here's what he said. Refusing to let the world corrupt you. Have you been corrupted by the world? This impacts every area of your life. It starts on the inside and works out. It starts small and it corrupts and it corrodes like a rust that corrupts and corrodes. It may start small with just a little water, but eventually it can, it can eat holes through the toughest of metal because it's rusted. Make no mistake about it. You can either let the Word of God transform you or you can let the world conform you. One of those two things is happening at all times. Either the Word of God is transforming us or we are being conformed by the world. Refuse to let the world corrupt you. Jesus said, I want you to be in the world, but I don't want you to be of the world. I want you to be in the world because how are we going to save the world if you are separate from it? If I just remove all my followers, what are we going to do with all the people that still need to hear about me? But I don't want you to be conformed to the world. I don't want you to be of the world. I want you to be transformed by the word of God. Have you been corrupted by the word of God? Are, Are you a hearer only or are you a doer? When we're doers of the word, and we're closing now, the Bible teaches you shall know the truth and the truth that you're applying to your life, even when you don't understand it, even when it doesn't make sense, even when you haven't seen the fruit of it yet, you keep applying the word of God. And you know what? It will set you free. I want to close this morning in a word of prayer. I want to thank all of you for joining us. But I just want to pray over you wherever you are. That as you've looked into the mirror today, and as you continue to look in the mirror today, not only would God expose things, the mirror is not just for examination, 
But the mirror is for restoration and transformation. That somehow even today, you're seeing things in yourself. But you're allowing God to restore you and to set you free, to change your heart and your life. He wants the truth to set you free. He went on to say, he who the Son has set free is free indeed. I want to declare in your life today, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, as the Word of God is applied to you, as the truth of God, as you receive it and respond to it, I'm declaring that even this week, you are going to be set free from things you didn't know you could be set free from. You're going to be delivered from things you didn't know you could be delivered from, things that have held you down, and you thought one magical sermon was going to do it. No, 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 no. Go out and do something with, with the Word of God. Go out and receive his forgiveness, receive his power, receive the ability to overcome through the power of his word and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Do something with it and watch what he does in your life. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for this day. Thank you for keeping your people safe. Those that are gathered all over, those that are displaced from their homes, those that have lost their homes, God, we pray for them today. We pray your blessings and your protection on your li their lives. I declare that it won't be a long time of rebuilding, but you're going to help your people rebuild quickly and better than ever. You're going to use this somehow to bless your people. Lord, I pray that this storm would dissipate dissipate quickly and be done with that it would be less than the experts have said because you are the god of the storm now father i pray for those that are receiving your word and responding to your word today oh god speak to us but don't just speak to us help us to do something with your word and as we apply it i know that we shall know the truth we understand it as it applies to our life and that truth is setting us free even now and whom the son has set free god i declare they are free indeed in jesus name we pray god bless you we love all of you thank you for joining us make sure you go back and listen to the other podcasts if you haven't heard this series and apply the word of god to your life god bless you we love you stay safe we'll see you next week